This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's latest book, Decide, the Ultimate Success Trigger. There is unquestionably something that triggers high levels of success for some entrepreneurs, while others simply struggle to even break six figures. It is the ability to decide. When faced with a challenge, situation, opportunity, or anything else that requires a commitment to do one thing or the other, when a decision needs to be made, some entrepreneurs freeze, or many more simply postpone the decision to a later date, and that leads directly to Squishyville. Decide the ultimate success trigger will get you comfortable growing a more profitable business faster. Get your copy today at www.decideforsuccessbook.com. That's www.decideforsuccessbook.com. Hi, it's Melanie Benson-Strick, America's leading small business optimizer, and you are listening to my good friend Jim Palmer on Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. And those are always great things in anybody's business. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm super excited about this week's show. My special guest is Roger Whitney, and he is known as the Retirement Answer Man, something we all hope to aspire to someday. So briefly, Roger is a uh, financial planner. He's served small business owners for over 24 years. Again, he's known as the Retirement Answer Man. He helps clients see retirement with fresh eyes so they can find the balance between living well today without sacrificing tomorrow. Hey, Roger, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Jim, it's great to be here. Awesome. You know, so first of all, the retirement answer man, you know, I'm big on marketing and branding and positioning. That's pretty cool. How long have you been known as the retirement answer man? Well, that's a good question. You know, nobody gives you these monikers. I think a lot of it, and this is, this, I think any business owner, owner goes through this, is you have to start elevating your game to what you aspire to be. So I basically came up with it uh, about a year and a half ago through knowing a lot of friends and looked at it and it's like, okay, what, from a business perspective, who are my ideal customers and who who do I serve best? And it was those people planning for and transitioning into retirement. And that's I walk that journey with a lot of people every day as a business owner. So I gave myself the moniker as a as a aspiration to live up to on a daily pro, on a daily basis as I serve my clients and have my retirement answer man and podcast. Well, I love that, and you know it's smart. It's smart, Mark. I mean, I became the newsletter guru in 2007, and um, actually, a client called me that once I, as I was learning the whole strategy of anointing yourself. One of my clients said, "Hey, Palmer, you're a newsletter guru, man." So that's how that came about. Right. Yep. Um, so that's pretty cool. You know, a lot of t- a, a lot of my shows, I'm focusing on 
business building. And I guess in retirement, when you're planning for retirement, you're planning on sort of exiting and, and living a comfortable life. And I think for so many people, it's really scary out there because, um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 57 actually in less than 30 days. And so I'm, I'm certainly thinking about that and thinking about what's it going to take, how long am I going to live, what's it going to require, and things like that. So I was really happy to uh, to get this interview booked. Can you, before we get started on all the retirement questions and whatnot, can you just share a little bit more about your background? How did you get started with your business? And um, have you always been in business, or did you finally decide to kind of hang out your own shingle and, and go that way? Yeah, like most people in my industry, I started in 1990, and the normal way most financial advisors start, they work, they go to work at a big firm and they work like mad to try to keep keep their seat so they can build their practice. And then it was only in about 1998, once I had reached critical mass, that I really started to understand what my core competency was and found some uh, two partners who helped complete me from a business perspective. And then we went out on our own in 2003 once we, you know, after a lot of work and a lot of due diligence and planning to hang up our own shingle and be totally independent. So you started in 2003. Are, are just out of curiosity, are you still with the same uh, other two other partners? Yeah, the, yeah, the three of us um, are still equal partners, and we've grown the firm to about 13 total over the last 11 years or so, and the partnership is as strong as ever. Now, partnerships are crazy difficult. Uh, but and so I think we have a pretty special one in terms of the spirit that we all have and our core competencies complement each other rather than duplicate each other, and that's something that happens a lot, uh, or doesn't happen a lot when you're looking at partnerships. Yeah, I I was in a partnership once for about a year. It didn't work, but we're still good friends today. And I remember when I was looking into it and thinking about it, somebody said, you know, Jim, you think you're good friends now, but being in a partnership is just like marriage. You're going to have all the struggles, but you don't actually get some of the good stuff that goes with it to balance it out. So it's either it's either okay or it's bad, you know, so in some ways. That was kind of funny, funny advice. But um, Well, and, and for us, and I, I, I don't – it's it's very rare to have really good partnerships, right? Sort of like a Lennon and McCartney or things like that. I think what's made ours work is we have very different competencies in the business. So we all have our own kitchen, and we respect where those boundaries are. And two, for most for the most part, each of us keep our egos at the door. Right. It's not, you know it's a three musketeers type of mentality, and one of us will get a you know a little bit of feel like they're doing more of the work sometimes. And that will ebb and flow. And the other two are pretty quick to knock them down. And the one getting knocked down is immature enough to take it in the spirit that it's being done, right? Uh, right. But it's definitely a challenge. It's like a marriage. you got to have a lot of conversations so you don't start to stray from what your passion and mission is. Well, very good. So let's let's talk about retirement because, um, you know, if I think about it, I do work with a lot of, uh, you know, new entrepreneurs and things like that. So what I'm often telling them, kind of like the old, the old guy, is that um, <laughs> it's going to creep up on you faster than you know. Um, you know, since I work with business owners, a lot of time retirement means building up your business so it becomes a saleable asset. That, that can be a, a nice nest egg, you know, in and of itself. So 
what, what um, I'm trying to think where I go here because there's so many questions I want to ask you. But let's let's actually focus on like the entrepreneurial market, Roger. So suppose um, one of your somebody comes into your office and they are they're not like a W-2 employee, but they are a, a self-employed person. Is there a different strategy, or is it the same thing? Like depending on how old they are, what they start with, where they want to go. I mean, I guess that that kind of process is probably similar. Am I correct? Yeah. Well, and the the clients I serve directly are almost all entrepreneurs or business owners. Okay. And good. they are a little bit different than a W two type of employee in terms of how they think about life. They're more A type can do personalities. They're self-worth and their motivation is intertwined with their business, which may, it causes some, you know, it causes some interesting issues to come up when you're planning for retirement. Now, most people, especially entrepreneurs, are told to think about retirement, in my opinion, in a very wrong way, in that, the, you know, the old-fashioned way that we thought of our grandfathers or the, our grandfather's fathers of I work and I bust my butt and then I sell it or I turn in the keys and then I'm just golfing and reading books and doing whatever for the rest of my life. That's the traditional view of retirement, and that's how most people are told they should approach it in a planning perspective. Okay. In reality, what I found, especially for business owners, and this is really where they have the opportunity, is – you have much more control if you have some forethought to create a life that you really never want to retire from. And most financial advice that entrepreneurs get, and even W-2 type employees, they never hear that part of it, of how do you structure your life to where it's more of a enjoyable journey than it is build up this huge nest egg, whether it's the enterprise value in your business or whether it's your 401k or whatever it is, and then just hope that that nest egg can support you into the sunset. That isn't as realistic as it used to be because we're just too healthy and we're living too long after that quote-unquote retirement age. So when I talk to business owners and what I'm finding they resonate with a lot more is if you can have really smart conversations and build a business rather than a job, the old e-myth idea of a business that can operate without you that actually has enterprise value, you could create a life, if you're thoughtful about it, of really having something that can be an annuity for almost the rest of your life or until you do ultimately want to sell it, rather than just, quote-unquote, retire. So it sounds like some of what you um, counsel your clients on is maybe not necessarily even preparing your business for sale and taking the proceeds and, and using that to fund your your retirement years, but actually creating a business that, if I heard you right, you own it, but it, it still keeps going. Maybe you're not working it. and, and Is that right? Did I hear you right? Well, it, what's interesting is it's going to be different for every person, right? Because some people just want to cut their ties, but other people want just to have more of their life back, more control over their day-to-day -day life. And what's nice is, from a business owner's perspective, when you're managing the business and structuring the business, the steps you would take to either sell it or have it operate on its own are pretty much the same because to make your, you know, let's say you want to sell your business. Well, what do you have to do? You have to 
have it actually be a business, not a sole proprietorship. You have to have it be able to run without you because a buyer is going to want to have it run without you. It's going to be valued more if it can run without you. So the steps you take to make it more of an enterprise than a sole proprietor, which is how a lot of us start out as business owners, where the business is totally reliant on us and moving it towards reliant on process and systems, that increases the value of the business. But it also increases the likelihood that you can step away in at whatever level you want to step away from. So that's the nice thing when you are planning with business owners because they can basically write their own script in terms of how they structure their business. So whether they want to sell the whole thing and be gone or whether they want it to operate without them, the process of thinking about that from a financial perspective are the same, or setting up the processes and systems, which will ultimately increase enterprise value anyway. You know, Roger, without getting too much in the weeds, I know, you know, as a small business owner, there's a lot of things you do to minimize your profit because you don't want to pay a big tax bill, right? But at some point, if you're going to make your business attractive, you have to, I'm guessing, do things differently to make your P&L look healthier, right? I mean, do you work with entrepreneurs to help them ready their business for sale or to at least think about how to run their business or... Uh, yeah, and the longer you go, the longer you, longer uh, runway you have to do that, the better. Mm-hmm. Now we don't we don't hold ourselves out as, as accountants or business valuation professionals. We're the financial hub, but we work closely with those individuals to come up with a solution that fits what the person's actually trying to accomplish with accomplish. Okay. So. Um... When someone's getting their business ready for sale, is there a certain time frame? I mean, you know, if somebody said, "Well, I want to sell in six months," I'm, I know that's way too short to to prepare it. But is it more? Is it like three years or five years? Is there a general rule of thumb that way? Or a lot of it depends on the business. But I would say you would be taking little steps, you know, three to five years in advance to have the books be in an order that a buyer might want to look at. There's, you know. The kind of books that a lot of business owners keep aren't necessarily the clean books that a buyer would be impressed with, or and, and and putting in those processes to show that it operates without you. But I think the key here, when an entrepreneur is thinking about retirement, is to think about them themselves separate from their their business. And a lot right. of entrepreneurs don't do that. They think of it all as one and the same, and they are very self-reliant, so generally they making they're used to making big bets on themselves. And what you find is they don't have a lot of don't go broke money that they've you know skimmed off the top of all the cream of their profits. Right, right. Okay. What are, so what are what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing people uh, in general for retirement planning? Um. Is, real, is is understanding how much they need to maintain their lifestyle over time and to decide how they're going to manage the risks of the uncertainties in the market, the uncertainties of their health, and the uncertainties of inflation. The way we approach it with clients is, and I think, you know, the vast majority of financial planning is focused on Lots of predictions about the future, whether it's how much you're going to spend or what the markets are going to do or what inflation is going to do. And 
you see, you know, over half the time spent on those types of discussions and strategies. What we re what we recommend is treating it more like a business when you're managing your personal financial life. So think about now, Jim, when you put together your business, did you write a huge business plan? No, I wrote your basic plan back in the day, which, you know, it was probably like a kit in a box I got from Entrepreneur or Magazine or something. It was your usual stuff. Little did I know a lot of that stuff in there was just the basic stuff every business plan has. But as far as marketing and how I'm going to grow and, and different revenue streams, there was I didn't know any of that kind of stuff back then. But you just iterated, right? You just tested things and tried and failed and yeah. tried and failed and went. And that's how – most business owners are. They don't write these formal business plans that are going in front of a private equity investor or that you're going to present to your professor in, in your MBA program. Those are good intellectual or academic exercises, but most business owners, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're seat of your pants. They have a great idea. They test it. They get a response from the market, and they adjust as the market the market uh, tells them whether there's demand for the product, and then they manage their cash flow. So they don't spend tons of time trying to figure out exactly what the market wants. They go ask the market and respond over and over and over again as the markets change. So in a, from a personal financial perspective, we approach it the same way. You know, just like your, your, you know, Jim, the business. So Jim, what are your one, three, and five-year priorities as a person, as the business of Jim? We had tried to identify those so we know roughly what direction Jim wants to head. And then... Like a business, we look at cash flow. What revenue do we, sources do we have right now and possibly in the future for Jim? And that could be your business revenue. It could be Social Security. It could be pension. It could be part-time income later on. We identify your current and future revenue sources or income. And then we look at your lifestyle expenses, what your overhead is for the business of Jim. And we hopefully have free cash flow, right? We Hopefully we're earning or have more income than we have expenses. And if not, we better figure that part out first. And if we do, then we look at, okay, what are other areas that Jim could in increase his income, his income? And what I find on cash flow is most business, most people in personal finance, but business owners included, we all know we're supposed to budget, we're supposed to control our expenses, and that's great, but you can only be so frugal. So you want to spend time on being frugal, but you want to spend more time on looking at how do, how do I position myself to reinvest in the business of Jim to increase my income. And that could be in your business, or it could be through training, it could be through lots of things. And then once we've done that, then you go through looking at your balance sheet or your net worth statement, which is exactly what a business owner would do. You look at, okay, what free cash flow do I have coming in because I'm, I'm making this money, and now how do I allocate that free cash flow within the business? So it's the exact same kind of conversation you would have as a business owner that you should have in your personal life. Do I pay down debt? Do I build cash reserves for upcoming expenses or emergencies? Or do I reinvest it in the business, meaning yourself? Or do I put it for long-term wealth creation and growth? And then you make those little decisions over and over and over again. So that's the process we use on a personal level, and it's much how a business owner would do it in their business. Gotcha. So um, 
I, I, you're going to love this question, not really, <laughs> but and we're not going to hold you to it. But you know, a lot of times in, in the political climate we're in, they say we need to make changes to Social Security and things like that. But oh, if you're 55 or older, it's not going to affect you. Do do you have a personal opinion about about Social Security if it's going to be around, or if based on certain ages, or would would you rather not go there? Um, no, I have personal opinions on everything, Jim. Okay. <laughs> here's how I here's how I advise clients, and I actually had a meeting yesterday with a lady who worked for the Social Security Administration for 30 plus years. And um, if Social Security goes away in a huge way, we're all screwed. Because right. think of the economic effects of having that much money sucked out of the economy in terms of what happens with a Social Security check. It goes into a person's hand and they spend it at the dry cleaner, the restaurant. Lowe's, you know, any small business. I so I do think any anybody born after or before 1960, I I I would wager that there's no problem whatsoever, and you should okay. plan on having it. It's too important of a benefit. And if you're younger than that, you should just uh, stop knows? spending I'd... all your money at Starbucks and start putting away. <laughs> well, I think yeah. I mean, I still factor it into plans because it's a huge benefit. And it's important. It may be means tested, and there are there's a lot of ways of solving it where it's not as dramatic as some of the articles might tell you. But at the end of the day, from a financial perspective, you have to have your own house in order. That way, you don't have to worry about Greece, you don't have to worry about Social Security, you don't have to worry about Europe or China or whatever else. If you have your own house in order, from a financial perspective, live well within your means, are very debt adverse. Think about it as, you know, shaving off the cream of the profits from your business to put it into assets that can preserve and grow your wealth over time. You know, that's about all a person can do. Otherwise, we're just handicapping the future, which is a loser's game. Right, right. Uh, is there any – I'm sure you probably have these uh, customized programs and whatnot, but one of the questions I think a lot of people when they're thinking of retirement have is, how you know they have no idea how how old they're going to be. So, I mean, do you advise people to plan to be ninety five or ninety? I mean, is there kind of any rule of thumb there, or is that is that the real uh, throw to throw the spaghetti against the wall type of guess that sometimes is required? Yeah, right now I use ninety for men, ninety two for females. Okay, and then I have about five questions I walk through to ask them that I'll you that number either higher or lower. But that, is that, I, is, Roger, is that based on, uh, I'm, I'm sure being a numbers guy, it's probably based on some historical data and things like that? Or? Exactly. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a calculator that I use that has all of that baked into it. And again, we're, you know, think about that. It, you know, if you're 50 years old, whether you die at 90 or 95 or 85, you're trying to handicap something that's 35, 40 years out. Yep. It's going to change a million times. I mean, I just got off the phone with a client today who, after meeting with his doctor, he's 74, and he's like, Roger, it, I know we're planning on me living to 92, but probably 82 is realistic. Mm. So after he meets with his doctor, we're going to have a little conversation about how we adjust the plan so he can maximize a little bit more of his life right now, but still make sure he's okay if he lives to 92. Gotcha. So okay. The key is all those little discussions. Rather than, you know, think of it this way. If 
you accept that everything in the future is unknowable, just like in your business, it is in your life, well then stop trying to figure out what the markets are going to do. Stop trying to figure out where you are going to be 10 years from now other than you know making some reasonable assumptions. You better have a really good process to check the numbers and reevaluate over and over and over again so you can adjust as life unfolds. And that's how most small business owners do it. And I think that's that's where we miss it a lot in financial planning is we don't have enough little conversations to make sure that we're adjusting as things change. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I think i got time for one more uh, quick question. Are there any special um, laws or circumstances that pertain to entrepreneurs? I mean, I mean, I know I have a 401K through my own business and things like that, but is there any, anything uh, small business owners should be aware of, you know, challenges or, or opportunities they might not know of? Um, you know, it's like trying to squeeze a rock a little bit. A lot of them have been legislated away. Uh, the, probably the biggest planning opportunity for small business owners, if they don't have a lot of employees and they have very consistent cash flow, is to do a pension plan for yourself which basically, just like a GM pension, you're creating a pension plan and you fund a benefit every single year. The advantage is, if it says you got to fund it with a quarter million dollars, you got to fund it with a quarter million dollars, which is great because that goes in tax deferred to fund the benefit. The negative is that each year you got to fund whatever the requirement is for that benefit, and it doesn't really care whether you have the cash flow or not. So I someone that has very stable cash flow and wants to build something around a pension, basically create a pension for themselves, that's something that is an opportunity for that very unique individual. Hmm. And I imagine uh, when you create the pension, that's an expense to the business, so that's going to lower your, your profit now, but give you yes. some advantages later. Very cool. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Well, I wish we had a lot more time, but uh, I really want to thank you for coming on. It's been uh, really educational. It's one of those topics a lot of people don't want to go there, but, you know, <laughs> we, we, we try and bring a little reality on our show once in a while. Hey, um, Roger, how can people learn more about you, connect with you, and uh, learn more from the Retirement Answer Man? Yeah, well, if they if they want to connect with me, they can go to rogerwhitney.com, and that's the that's the home where I blog, and I host my podcast, and I do webinars. Uh, and I have a podcast on iTunes, The Retirement Answer Man. And I have a retirement answer library where I have over 30 checklists. I'm a big checklist guy of you know, how to go through, go through your financial life, whether it's what do you do, or what kind of estate planning documents do you need, or how do you build a net worth statement, or what do I do to get all of my financial records in order. i got 30 checklists in there, and, and your listeners can get access to it for free, and all they have to do is text the word library to the number 33444, and they'll get a text back, and they reply with their email. They'll get an email with free access to this library, and it's it's growing all, all the time. Wow, very nice. Hey, Roger, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jim. Hey, hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with the retirement answer man, Mr. Roger Whitney. Stick Like Glue is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. 
Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.